The Free For All Roundtable. Round one. On round one this morning, we say good morning to Pavan Brach, serial entrepreneur in marketing, tech, and real estate development. Uh, Reshmi Nair is the co-host of The Rush on the afternoon here on News Talk 1010. And Tim Hudak, former leader of Ontario's Conservatives, now with the Ontario Real Estate Association. And let's actually start with something that only broke a few minutes ago, but I don't think you guys need to read a full brief to have a view about this. Um, let me start with Tim Hudak, that somebody apparently driving a dump truck with the bucket up ended up going into an underpass or an overpass, knocking the bucket off the truck, and now it's paralyzing traffic. This happens uh, from time to time, Tim, and I know some people think I should be in a more forgiving mood, but if your whole responsibility is to drive a truck and to operate something like a dump truck, then surely you can get it right and not menace the morning rush hour. Yeah, I can't believe this happened again. I remember this happened on the Burlington Skyway, right? That snarled yep. traffic for forever. And did the guy get a slap on the wrist? A relatively light sentence no. for what he did in damage? I, I could be wrong. So, it was yeah, drug driving. Just, pretty serious. Okay. This makes me suspicious of um, you know the licensing that takes place, the type of inspection that takes place, and ultimately you have to hold the company responsible if they're not training drivers properly in this kind of damage. So, Pavan, we've had a pretty good stretch actually lately where we seem to have been free of things like you know trucks going into an off-ramp too quickly and flipping over and wrecking the morning rush hour. But again, I come up back to the idea, if you're going to be a professional driver, you've got to drive professionally. Yeah, no, completely agree, and we we know the issues facing that industry. I mean, just a lack of people that are trained properly, rushing them out uh, and uh, underperforming, uh, and and it extends not only there but even Uber drivers. We had family friends that were in an Uber and the, and they slammed into a car, and and the first thing the guy said was, "Listen, don't tell the police I don't have because uh, I don't have Uber insurance, so don't tell them I'm an Uber." Uh, so we have to get a lot tougher on on, on our regulations and and start enforcing training. And Reshmi, you'll have the last word on this particular file, but I'm always mindful that uh, a lot of truckers listen to us and a lot of professional drivers listen to us, and I'm tremendously respectful of those who do it with skill. I was watching surveillance video on a YouTube the other day that showed a guy backing a full rig around, and it was like an, a work of, ma it was a masterpiece of engineering. But still, we come back to this person driving around with an open bucket. Yeah, absolutely. I feel for anyone. I mean, it's human error, but I've also learned uh, over the last couple of days, we were talking on the rush with Mark Tui and we had an employment lawyer on about how expensive training is for employers. And I pushed back on that thinking it's an expense for an employer, but it shouldn't be called expensive. This is a good example. Let's turn to the inquiry into whether or not the uh, convoy protests were properly handled. But the more important question is, did we actually need the emergency measures that were ad adopted by the feds? And uh, Reshmi, I'll start with you on this one. Uh, yesterday, it became clear there was a little bit of tension during the convoy because Justin Trudeau uh, was complaining about Doug Ford trying to keep his hands clean and not intervening in anything. He was keeping his head down and letting Justin Trudeau and the mayor of Ottawa and the chief of police take the hit. Yeah, and I think that's going to be open to interpretation for so many people. Um, you know, levels of government want unity. They want a united front. They want to go in showing some full force here. And Doug Ford wasn't going to play along. He did get involved when the Ambassador Bridge was shut down. That was weeks into the convoy. Um, but it, I think everyone is having a moment where you ask yourself, what is Ottawa? It's a city. It's the capital. It is still part of Ontario. How much should the provincial government play a role? 
in stopping that illegal occupation is part of the discussion. Tim Hudak, you know politics better than anyone having been in politics. I have to wonder if maybe Doug Ford got a heads up that that testimony was going to be offered yesterday because for the most part, he did the right things and he was backstopping earlier this week, Justin Trudeau, by coming to a full-throated defense of the actions the feds took. So, you know, maybe the friction isn't that big a deal. You know, my uh, my BS detector is going off here, John, and I know the OPP commissioner will be called soon, so we'll hear with the OPP's position on this. But I know all the characters. I, I know them decently, and this looks like two, you know, longtime friend and liberals looking to point the finger somewhere else. One's got is is already out the door. I think one has one foot out the door. And if you look the other places, it was handled very well in Windsor, handled very well in Toronto. Ontario had committed police officers upon request. I think there this is actually some weak need. Lack of decision-making happening in Ottawa that's the cause of this problem, not for These guys are just trying to point the finger and take blame off themselves. All right, Pavan, the uh, readout, as they call it, though, this is a call that took place last February, so it's not like they cooked up the story since then. But what's your take? Well, exactly. That point exactly is that it was early days. It was. It seemed to be a direct conversation between Trudeau and the mayor, uh, and um, and I think you know a lot of things happened after that 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 showed the uh, the provincial support for for taking action here. Obviously, there's a line between what politicians can say and do and the OPP or the police. They are not their private armies, obviously, and we do want that to, to remain in place. But I, I do think that this is just some inside politics from, from back in February that's being exposed here and uh, that, uh, that it's not entirely relevant. Uh, let me stay with you for a moment, Pavan, as we start another topic, and that would be, I don't want to make any assumptions here, but I have to think that the stabbing death of an RCMP officer yesterday as she approached a homeless man who was camping in a public park is going to reheat the debate over encampments here in Toronto and elsewhere. And, you know, the timing for us here at News Talk 1010 this whole week, Monday to Friday, we've been rolling out our special and profiling the homelessness situation. So, I mean, I don't want to necessarily use the death of an RCMP officer as the springboard to a municipal discussion, but I think the lines have to be connected. Yeah, no, it's criti- It's horrible, obviously, and, and uh, you know, the line is that, you know, for those, and, and you talked about it earlier on the show, there are some people that just, you know, you can't get through to them, you can't help them, and I think we have to change the laws, you know, so that we can, we can take action and support them uh, with mental health and with safety, whether they, they feel it's appropriate or not. I think we're being a bit too soft, uh, and it, it, it results in these kinds of terrible tragedies, and, uh, and and so, you know, I do think we have to grow a spine and start taking action and helping these folks, whether they want it or not. Tim, I imagine this is all on ice for the moment because John Tory and various others didn't want to get involved in uh, breaking up more encampments during an election campaign. Um, but I, all I can say is having spent time in the encampments and having sat and talked with these people, I'm very sympathetic to their plight. But I remain a hard ass about the fact that people shouldn't be camping in public parks. Nobody has a right to camp in public parks, no matter what their condition. And, you know, you see what has happened in some of the major American cities like Seattle, San Francisco, uh, San Diego with these types of encampments. Sadly, the loss of another police officer. I mean, that's a secondary, not a secondary, it's an important point here, too. How many police officers uh, have been killed in the line of duty recently? No, you've got to clear the parks. You can't let them establish themselves. They are dangerous places. They don't help those that are there. They attract crime. They attract these types of uh, horrible incidences. Uh, the, the mayor was right to clear the parks. I hope we'll do so. And sadly, in Vancouver and Burnaby, they've let them proliferate, and now this happens. 
Yeah, Reshmi, I sat on a park bench one of the days that I went on a walkabout with a pastor, a street pastor, and he was pointing to all of these tents and saying, you know, look at this community, look at how safe these people feel, look how interdependent they are. And I thought, nice idea, but again, this is a park. It is not what anybody wants, including those people. And many people are on the brink of homelessness. The tents, you don't want tents in your parks, I get it. It's just a visual. It's a symptom. It's the tip of the iceberg. What is happening to these people based in trauma that hasn't been dealt with will continue to happen to them, whether you see them in your park or not. Uh, Parkland for Torontonians is actually expected to shrink in the next decade in spite of a couple of initiatives, including right across the street from our headquarters here in downtown Toronto. The city spent an estimated $100 million to acquire some land and turn it into a park. Uh, but Pavan, Toronto is quite impoverished when it comes to parks, this, and it certainly ain't New York City with a Central Park right on the most expensive real estate in the world. Yeah, I, I remember being back in Toronto, you know, 20, 25 years ago, and you keep hearing the same thing. Oh, we've got to stop the development by the lake because soon you won't be able to see, and we've got to stop it. We've got to stop it. And and, and you, you look at it now, and it's obviously it's a wall. And, um, you know, for somebody who has left the city and continues to visit it and enjoy Toronto, uh, it is disturbing to see the, the disappearance of park space because it is critical. It's so sad that they weren't able to figure out the air rights over time of the railway lands because that sounded like a big win um, and uh, but instead it's going to be condos so you know I think um, I think they have to take the approach that maybe the green space kind of legislation has at the provincial level and and really make some very strict rules that cannot be tampered with uh, because we know that politics is a, is a strong force and and you need powerful legislation uh, like the like the green space uh, you know uh, act at the provincial level in the provi- in the in the city to prevent the this continuing yeah because Rashmi, I think some people regard public parks as sort of a sweet idea as opposed to an urban necessity. Yeah, it's an interesting conversation because I'm on one side, I'm saying build enough housing, who needs a park? And then I hear who needs a park and you think, okay, yeah, the city, if we want it to sustain and draw people in to Pavan's point, I think we are losing people in Toronto. I think people are leaving the city. I don't really know how many people are moving in and that should be a municipal election issue. Uh, Parks draw families in, right? So you want to lower crime, you want more families, you want diversity, we need parks. Uh, Tim, maybe we can bundle this in with another story that I didn't want to leave aside because of your particular expertise at the uh, Real Estate Association. Uh, But Barbara Balfour has a column today in the Globe and Mail about how uh, office buildings are being repurposed. And in some cases, some people may find themselves living in them. But there's a lot of takeaway here. The idea is if corporations need less of a footprint in office towers, then the corporations can put in the foosball tables and a coffee bar. But also, maybe people will live there. Maybe they can donate some of the space to community groups that things are going to change or or parks right you can actually try to on, on the roofs or even on yep. the main floors i'm excited about it i think there is tremendous potential here john and we need to make sure that the actually is one of the ontario real estate association's top requests to the province and to work with municipalities to make sure that old bylaws don't get in the way of this you know it's actually repurpose our commercial space to make them more attractive to office environments for workforce now that can choose more often to work from home the notion you could convert commercial spaces into residential units that people could actually forward to live in. I think this is excellent news. I'm cheering it on. And Pavan, you're uh, an entrepreneur, but also somewhat of an urbanist. So what do you see the trend lines being? 
Yeah, no, I think I think the the other critical piece of it is that uh, is creating you know offices that are that uh, do meet the needs of people and attract people to come into the office where they have a a better experience. I think it was incredibly uh, interesting to see the offering of both Western and traditional medicine and other health related investments uh, that are made available to uh, office tenants. That that has that makes a lot of sense. You know, you have to find a way to convince people that it's better there, and and ultimately the reason of course is because you know we do think uh, as, as humans that we have a better experience uh, uh, you know face to face and in in trying to create new things in business and innovation etc to be able to see somebody's reaction and follow it which you can't do as easily uh, on video conference so you know it, it is an important issue I think it's great that they're doing it I do think however that the number one issue still is the commute uh, it's the commute the hour in and the hour out so we we have to put as much energy in in, in making better office experiences as we do in in improving our commute times which frankly aren't doing that well right now thank you all we got to call it there but pavan brach tim hudak and reshmi nair i appreciate your input this morning reshmi will be back at 2 p.m this afternoon Catch the round table, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.